many questions about why Herbert hasn't been the guy. Um, but then he has moments where he makes amazing throws. He's better, in my opinion, when he's not thinking. On this episode of Against the Grain, we'll talk about my new theory on schedule fraud. Very interesting. And a former NFL offensive lineman will explain to me what is holding. Let's do it. We are cutting against the grain. Against the grain. Against the grain. Against the grain. Now your host for Against the Grain. Against the grain. Here's Andrew Perloff. All right, we're almost through week seven in the NFL, and the overreactors are out everywhere. Uh, I think the biggest issue is these teams that have great records who have played nobody. Everybody is going nuts about the San Francisco 49ers, to a lesser extent, the Buffalo Bills. We got a lot of Baltimore Raven love, and of course, everyone thinks the Patriots are great. But those are the four weakest schedules so far. Number 32 in strength of schedule so far, the San Francisco 49ers. Their opponents have been 11-28. They beat a Washington Redskins team 9-0 on a rainy day in Washington. Didn't prove anything, but that's not their fault. It was just an ugly game. The Patriots, who of course, play tonight against the Jets. The Buffalo Bills, who are 30th in this ranking, have a face opponents who are 12-26, should have lost to the Dolphins. And then the Baltimore Ravens, are face teams are 17-28 and won a little better. I do not know how good the Ravens are. Here's my point. I want to bring in Mario, who produces this podcast. How do we know these teams are good? How do we know the Niners are good? I know they beat the Rams 20-7, but everyone thinks the Rams aren't good. The Niners have faced the easiest schedule in the NFL, and their quarterback has really not exploded yet. Their defense looks amazing. But how do we really know they're going to be there in the end? What's your hunch on them? And I will shoot it down whichever way you go. <laughs> Uh, I, I mean, I think the the most for real team uh, team out of the teams you've named is Baltimore, just given their performance yesterday and what they did. Why they beat a Seattle team that played everybody within one point and almost first of all, Cincinnati went into Seattle week one and destroyed them. They just missed a bunch of field goals and lost the game. I didn't believe in that team either. I don't believe in anybody. There's like I don't. I honestly. I don't. Be- I feel like there's more negatives to say about the top ten teams than there are I, positives. I just think right there's now. so much parity this year. Like, I mean, Houston, you know, they playing so well, and then they lose to Indianapolis, who just lost to the Raiders a couple weeks ago. Like, there's just so much going on. You can't really keep up with uh, who's the team to beat this year. Everybody just gets beat every other week. Okay, and by the way, the San Francisco 49ers six and zero start. That is a good sign. If you're six and zero, you're probably going to go places. I'm looking at this point last season, just a few standings numbers to sort of make you think about what we know so far. The Redskins at this point last year were four and two. They ended up losing pretty much every other game after mm-hmm. Alex Smith got hurt. The Cincinnati Bengals were four and three in contention for the AFC North at this point last year. Then AJ Green and then Andy Dalton got hurt and they fell apart. And the Indianapolis Colts were two and five with Andrew Luck at this point last year. And as you know, they went on to the playoffs, beat the Texans in the playoffs. So they uh, they had a much better season. There's going to be huge turnarounds. Which one of these teams hinges on one player like those teams did? Though? Well, Cincinnati hinged on a couple players, but all these players. Like I mean, Washington obviously the- hinged on Alex Smith. He went down and they just turned into a mess. If Lamar Jackson went down today, what? Ravens, yes. be fe- they would be good still, right? No. You not that so? good. They oh, my a, God. They, they have a great defense. They have a great, they're great up front. No. Mark Ingram has been good by all accounts this yeah, year. Yeah, but if you're not if you're not uh, paying attention to Lamar Jackson, Mark Ingram is not going to be good. 
No, they are completely warm. He's like everybody's MVP right now. What about uh, uh, San Francisco? If Jimmy G went mm. out today, that defense yeah, isn't great. They might would, get it even better. You, yeah, I mean, San so. Francisco, but San Francisco's got a really hard schedule coming up. So who knows about San Francisco? You need a you need good quarterback play, and we haven't seen that. He doesn't have any wide receivers. So they host the Panthers next week. They should win that. They're favored. Then they go to the Cardinals. Again, a game they should win. But then it gets a little trickier. They play the Seahawks. The Car- Actually, I don't know what I'm talking about here. This is easy. <laughs> they do have the Packers and the Ravens. I think they got. They might have the Rams coming up. They have a much harder schedule, third hardest schedule remaining. So I think we'll find out about them. But my point is, you, you can't disregard who you played. Now, uh, Jeff Schwartz is going to come on. He's a former NFL offensive lineman, does a lot of media. He disagreed with me on Twitter on this. He's like, what are you supposed to do except beat the teams in front of you? Yeah. So you can't blame him. But... Vegas takes into account who you've played. That's all they care about. So you look at these spreads. You know, for example, Buffalo plays the Eagles this week. In Buffalo, they're only one and a half point favorites. The Eagles, coming off last week, the Eagles look terrible against the Cowboys. The Bills are whatever, four and one or five and one. So you'd think it was more favorite. But Vegas cares that Buffalo hasn't played anyone. They know the public perception on that. It's accurate. I think the Eagles are going to, you know, if, if Buffalo plays anything like last week, the Eagles should beat that team by three touchdowns because they looked really bad against the Dolphins until the end. Josh Allen's looked erratic, and the Dolphins somehow moved on the Bills' defense. So I, I think schedule is everything. I'll argue with Jeff about that. We were just having a conversation before the podcast, Mario and I, about the Eagles-Cowboys. In my opinion, yeah, it was a blowout. But that game turned early on a few plays, and it could have gone either way. The Eagles started off sort of... Stormed down the field, got a penalty, a pass interference that should have put them in field goal range at least. And for some reason, the officials picked it up. Uh, then they, everything fell apart. They had a couple turnovers. But if you don't have those turnovers, then it's a close game. And then the Eagles always fall behind by two touchdowns. That's their thing. And they always uh-huh. come back. They were coming back and moving the ball. But this one thing after little things happened, I do not see those teams as, as far apart as the score indicated. Really? Yeah, I mean... You know how games are. Once the flow of a game, once the Cowboys get a lead, all those uh, pass rushers can pin their ears back and come after Wentz. They were, yeah, I mean, they were teeing off. It yeah, that's like, because they had I mean, a big lead. They and uh, obviously Lane Johnson was getting just kind of beat up at team all night with just Demarcus Lawrence and game he, flow. <laughs> no, I know this sounds ridiculous, but a game flow like a few plays don't go this way. Like you know, Ezekiel Elliott gets a hard, hot start, and then once the Cowboys, they're a great. You know, they should be a great playing from ahead team. We'll see when Dak Prescott is trailing in Philly in their next game what happens. I mean, this is an Eagles team that beat up the Packers on Thursday Night Football in Lambeau. Mm-hmm. Everyone's saying, talking like they're terrible, and I understand that sentiment, but they're 3-4. and four. I just told you last year's standings. That doesn't mean they're dead. Okay, uh, last topic before we get to Jeff. It was a huge weekend in something we talk about here a lot, the quarterback draft market. So, Tua gets hurt. Another mm-hmm. high ankle sprain, opposite ankle from last year. I was watching Miami and thinking, are they really tanking for Tua? He's got Steph Curry ankles. Yeah. You know, at some point, he's unbelievable to watch, and it's but he moves so much. Is this a huge concern? Are you really tanking for a guy who's had surgery on both ankles? That seems iffy to me. Uh, so we'll see. They play LSU on November 9th. It's interesting because LSU's quarterback, Joe Burrow, is now moving up past everybody, and he Wait. could move ahead of Tua. He's a lot bigger than Tua. He's six, listed at 6'3". There was another game. Uh, Oregon played Washington this weekend, and we're going to talk to Jeff about that, too, because he went to Oregon. 
Justin Herbert versus Jacob Eason. I think Jacob Eason looked like the better pro prospect. Mm-hmm. But it, it comes down to where is the NFL stand on quarterbacks right now? Do they want the tall gunslingers that they've always wanted? I, I think Justin Herbert and Jacob Eason are going to be attractive to NFL coaches because the ball comes out of their hand and it looks like a highlight reel. Now, they don't move as well, obviously, as Tua. Mm-hmm. Burrow's kind of in between. And then you got you got the the dark horses. Like Jordan Love is still pretty high on all, all the NFL draft Jaylen. experts. Uh, then there's Jalen. I don't know. Jalen's not might not be tall enough. You don't think so? He's you gotta be really he's not has he really blown you away this year? I mean he's run the ball well, but yeah. Uh, I don't know. I don't know about Jalen and Jake Fromm or two guys who are right in between. Incredible success. Jake Fromm, I think, um, that South Carolina loss, I think that's going to stand yeah. to some people's mind. Yeah, but the NFL, doesn't, the NFL doesn't overreact to bad games as much as we do. Like, Daniel Jones had some real stinkers last year, and the NFL was still high on him. So we'll see. Uh, you know, it's a shame uh, uh, my guy at Ohio State can't be uh, in the uh, Justin Fields. Man, he looks like a pro Pro that, quarterback to would me you too. would he go number one? You think this year if he was eligible? Well, here's a big debate. Somebody tweeted out that Justin Fields was going to get in there in the Trevor Lawrence draft, and it's going to maybe pass Trevor Lawrence. I don't quite see that. I still think Trevor Lawrence. I, I don't know, Dude, no, Trevor no, 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 Lawrence just, has been awful this year. What are you talking about? I'm look, what are people I'm looking, saying? He's just not impressive. So, like, I mean, every other year that you've seen him. Um, you saw him uh, one year. Or you said last, Half, not la- even the whole year. Like la- he was, he struggled a little bit against Louisville this week. Like it's Louisville. How Louisville's did he struggle? Awful. What? Let's see. I think it was like they they won forty five to ten, dude. I know. So, but it, it early on, it, early on, I was because I bet on this game. Okay. Uh, this I'm just saying the bar is so high that. I, I think people are misjudging. I still think he's the surefire thing. Against so, North Carolina, this I mean, this year he didn't look great. What did he do? He had threw two picks against Louisville. You cannot sleep on Louisville Louisville defense. So would you take Justin Fields over Trevor Lawrence? You've seen a lot of yes. them. Yes. I like Justin Fields they a lot. They played nobody. Ohio State has played nobody. I like Justin. I, I just like what everything he can do. He can move. I think, I mean, today's quarterback, you need to be, to, be able to move out of, outside of the pocket. He has a sling of an arm i take justin fields over trevor lawrence i don't think i don't think the whole thing is on trevor lawrence by the way there well who do you think who do you i think, think the whole on? the whole offense looks less dynamic than really? last year yeah i mean is travis Etienne really scaring you right now you he's had a couple game. yeah he has a, he's had a couple of good games yeah but year. he's not he's certainly not what, what i think he looked the, like he was going to be at the end of last year t higgins i think is also not really uh holding up his end yeah I mean, let's face it. Also, too, they were in good position last year. Their defense was so terrifying that they yeah. they didn't really need as much out of Trevor Lawrence. They still have some guys this year who are going to go first round. They said they're saying, "Yeah, did you see they fell below Ohio State in the rankings?" Yeah. By the way, I just think that's a matter of expectation with Clemson. I mean, I think they set the bar too high for Trevor Lawrence this year. I even I'm looking at my phone, you know, first quarter, and they're only winning seven zip after I think one quarter, or they're winning three zip after one quarter. I'm like. Are you kidding me? This is Louisville again. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I'm I'm selling the Trevor Lawrence number one, and I, I'm selling the two in number one, although this is getting a lot messier. I'm not sure who the Dolphins are tanking for right now. And I'm not even sure the Dolphins get the number one pick piece. Ryan Fitzpatrick looks pretty good. Yeah, he looked good this week again. I mean, he, he was throwing, well, he had one to Devontae Parker, Preston Williams. You got to love those guys, right? Oh, God. <laughs> Give me a break. Mario. Wait, so would you go on the record and say uh, you don't think the Dolphins should tank for Tua? 
No, I'm not going to go on the record for that. I love okay. Tua. I'm a Tuaist. I like all these quarterbacks. I like Jacob Eason a lot. I think yeah. he's amazing. Uh, I think like quarterbacks are basically better in college. I think the interesting thing is there's going to be six or seven quarterbacks who could probably maybe you know be projected starters. If you're a team, we talked about it in the Dan Patrick show, mm-hmm. if you're the Titans, do you want a rookie or do you want a veteran? Your team is pretty good at a lot of spots. I think you would want a veteran. So, you know, you're not going to want to turn the reins over to Jordan Love. Yeah. You're going to want probably... Teddy? Teddy. Although, if I'm Teddy, I stay in New Orleans. Uh, we'll see. I mean, Andy? there's going to be a lot of guys. Dalton might be floating out there. Nick Foles might be floating. Actually, I, I don't know if Foles is... Nick Foles, I think he signed three years. Yeah. But there's going to be like, what do the Bears do? I mean, Trubisky looked terrible You think yesterday. that it's ready for them? They're ready to oh. move on at this point? Oh, my gosh. It's still early, I think. No. NFL Nation, the experts are, you should have heard the podcast around the country this morning. Really? Oh, they're killing Trubisky. I don't know what they do. Is Cam Newton on the market next year? That's a good, yeah, that's a good question. Yeah, there's a lot of, is Drew Brees on the market next year? I mean, Uh, that's probably a stretch, but there's going to be a lot of weird, is Eli Manning want to start somewhere next year? If you're Tennessee and you have Eli Manning or you have Justin Herbert or no, actually I guess they wouldn't be Herbert, but if you have a mid level first round quarterback yeah. or it was Ryan Tannehill show you something on Sunday. Uh, all right, we're going to get into all that with Jeff Schwartz right now. All right, Jeff, before we get started here, can you explain offensive holding to me? And I'm only asking this year because I've been watching a lot of Redskins and they keep getting offensive holding calls on one and two yard runs. Whereas the casual fan I'm watching, I'm like, there's not enough time to really hold on that. Why the emphasis on holding on run plays this year? Well, the first couple of weeks, the emphasis was on every type of holding. We've lessened that back to what it should be. But really, holding is only supposed to be called if it directly affects the run. So if the run is between the left guard and the left tackle, you know, if the left guard or left tackle the center on the linebacker, um, then that should be, you know, that's the only time it's supposed to call it. If it's, on, by, you know, by the right guard or right tackle, not really supposed to be called. So that's where they're looking. They're looking right okay. to hold the run. If you restrict a defender in, in any manner in that hole, that's when they're going to call it. But, like, Brandon Sheriff on the Redskins is a, you know, top five pick. And the coach, Bill Callahan, is an offensive line coach. He even brought in an official to help them with holding this week, apparently, at practice. And they still get called two plays in the first quarter. If the best guys are still getting nailed, then what, what is wrong here? Is this poor play? Is this poor coaching? Or are the officials being a little over-anxious over with this particular call? Well, I think when one specific guy gets called for it, that means that the team they're playing, the 49ers, would have alerted the officials before the game ah. that they suspect that Brandon Sheriff is holding a bunch. That, that obviously happens as part of kind of the officials and, and coaches meeting before the game. You know, you alert the officials about trick plays. You, you're running that game to let them know to not be fooled if you have a weird formation or if something different happens. Uh, you know, you have a fake punt in that week. You let them know, hey, guys, we might fake a punt here. Here's the formation. Mm. Um, and, and so they're not, like, surprised by anything that happens. And also – you say, hey, look, seventy-five, Brandon Sheriff. He's, you know, he's been holding our guys, you know, all game. Or really, we've watched him on film this year. He's holding a bunch. Can you please watch out for that? So it kind of goes, it goes. And same, you know, vice versa. You know, during the game, you know, players go up to the officials. Hey, guys, can you watch if this person's holding me? This guy has hands to my face. You know, it's interesting going back to the the Balaga. I mean, the the Bakhtiari, Trey Flowers Packers 
Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it's possible that Bakhtiari had told the official like seven times mm. that game, five times that game, hey, watch for hands to the face. Trey Flowers keeps hitting me in the face. And, you know, then obviously something close gets called. I do think officiating in general this year, um, they've been looking to call too many penalties. There's too many points of emphasis. I think if you take that away and say, hey, hey refs, I know we have new rules in place. Uh, if you see it, call it. If you don't, don't call it. I feel like the, the officials now err on the side of calling a penalty instead of just erring on the side of, you know what, I don't, I'm not quite sure I'm not going to the flag. What do you think of making a penalty like hands to the face or defensive holding on a pass play, not an automatic first down in just five yards? Well, the hands to the face, I understand that argument. Okay, just make it five yards. But, you know, defensive holding, um, it would encourage a lot more of those to happen mm. if you didn't make it an automatic first down. So let's say you have third and ten, right, and you're, you're facing the Chiefs. And Pat Mahomes breaks the pocket, and Tyreek Hill starting to open up across the field, and the defender just tackles him, straight out tackles him before the ball is thrown. It's not a pass interference, it's a holding. Well, now it's third and five, and you get mm. to live another down again if you're the defense, where the offense would have had a 35, 40-yard gain and could have flipped the game right there. So I understand why defensive holding is, is that way. And look, I, I don't think we should do this, but I can understand if you said, look, maybe we make it like the old face mask rule where it's 5 or 15 yards yeah. or – you know, you know, somewhere like that, like, hey, it's third and 14. The holding wasn't that egregious, but it was on the backside of a play. The quarterback wasn't even looking there. But, again, how do you determine that in real time? feels kind of difficult to do that. So I'm good with that being um, a, a penalty that, if it's a holding especially, that ends up being uh, automatic first down. Yeah, me too. Okay, uh, I want to talk about the strength of schedule thing. I was going on on the Dan Patrick show today about how the Niners and other teams haven't played anyone. Here's the rankings of the weakest strength of schedules of teams they played so far. The Niners are 32 in the league. Their opponents have been 11 and 28. Then the Patriots and then the Bills and then the Ravens are fourth. I think, you know, I watch, I've seen most of the Niners games and they look awesome on defense, but it feels like a hollow six and O to me. They have a really tough schedule remaining. Where do you stand on those four teams? The Niners, the Patriots, Bills, and Ravens. Well, look, I don't know how much you, you like some of the analytics stats. Like Football Outsiders, I love you looking at their at their DVOA. I think it's a pretty good metric. Yep. And people around the NFL trust it. They have the Niners, I think, number one right now. So, And that's schedule adjusted, right? So they adjust for a schedule and for competition. And I think what the Niners have going for them are things that, that translate all through the season, right? So they rush the passer very well. So you rush the passer very well against everyone, right? I mean, obviously, that's kind of, that kind of mm. continues all season. They, they run the football, and they design good plays on offense. And Kyle Shanahan, I think, obviously, not think I know, it's very good designing um, you know, really good uh, concepts to where, where Jimmy G doesn't have to be the guy every single time to make plays on offense. That doesn't change when you're facing better teams. And he's proven that, whether he's with the Niners or with the Falcons, even go back to the Browns. That offense when he had with Cleveland wasn't – wasn't half bad. So I trust the 49ers. And they're going to lose some games, of course, but they've also gone into L.A. and beat the Rams. Uh, yeah. been, you know, they, they, they smacked the Browns. I think, I think kind of margin of victory here and the way you win is important when you look at this. The Patriots, obviously, look, they're, they've always been my favorite to win the AFC again, as much as a Chiefs fan and my brother's on the team. Um, I think they're just, they're just, they're just good. And, and we're going to see – they have the Ravens in two weeks. We'll see how they play against that offense. Um, you mentioned the Bills. The Bills are the first one where I'm like, you know what? 
I think the schedule does play a big part in this. Yeah. If you look offensively, the Bills have been atrocious, right? They've been bad offensively. Josh Allen ranks near the bottom of most of most services. If, if you look at their grades, um, you know they run the ball okay, I guess. But defensively, they're very good. And what's 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 crazy about the Bills is, I mean, with their schedule and their defense, they're probably going to be a wild card team. Yeah. Uh, but their offense is atrocious. Like, I don't trust their offense at all in any game. And they've won ugly, right? They they were down to the Dolphins in the third quarter at home. Um, you know, they, they barely beat the Bengals. They've had some really rough outings in general. So what do you think about Lamar Jackson's volume of running plays? You know, when you look at NFL history, eventually defenses catch up and often injure mobile quarterbacks. But I haven't seen Lamar Jackson take too many big hits. Do you think he can sustain this? Well, I think we're about to see a stretch, and we'll, yeah. we're going to find out. I mean, look, I, I think that I promise you Bill Belichick has watched enough tape on this offense and will have a game plan ready to go when they play in two weeks. Uh, now, the game is in Baltimore. But, again, if you look at the numbers, whenever they've played a really good defense, and Seattle is even qualified. Their defense has not been very good this year. Whenever they play good defense, they aren't very good. Like, it, Lamar Jackson is not very good. I keep coming back to this. I know it's a boring point, and people hate it, and they're like, but, but, but what? The way you win in the NFL – at quarterback, it's been proven year after year, time and time again. There are, of course, outliers. Colin Kaepernick got the Niners Super Bowl. Cam Newton got the Panthers Super Bowl. But it's it's passing from the pocket. Even Cam Newton, by the way, if you look at his playoffs, he didn't run very much in the playoffs. He threw from the pocket. Like That is what has worked time and time again. And the Ravens and Lamar Jackson don't do that very well. So when you play a defense like the Patriots, like the Bills, they're going to take away the run game, just like the Chargers did in the playoffs. They're going to say, look, you're not running the football now. We're not letting you do it. And so are the Ravens good enough in the pass game to score enough points against the team? Plus, their defense, by the way, hasn't been very good, which I don't know why people are surprised. They lost four starters. Yep. Like, I, eventually, losing starters every single year is going to make you a worse defense, and people seem like shocked that their, their defense is not very good this year. So I just think that, look, they win, and, and they're probably going to win the North because the Steelers – have a quarterback problem, um, but I just don't buy this style of football. And you mentioned, you know, getting hit. And look, he's done a good job of, of avoiding contact. But again, who they played? The Bengals, the Dolphins, the Cardinals. Um, look, the Seahawks are have been very good at home over Russell Wilson's tenure. Not this year because they're not as good on defense. So I mean, he just hasn't played a lot of defenses that are very good. And the one he did was Pittsburgh. The offense was awful. So. I just I'm excited to see them play the next eight weeks and see the better teams they play and see if we have the same talk at the end of the season and the Ravens offense is still as good. Yeah, I thought Bobby Wagner and KJ Wright, I thought those guys were gonna contain him and maybe get a few shots and Bobby Wagner looked like he was a hundred years old trying to tackle him though. So I <laughs> I mean Seattle's okay. I I, I think I think the, I think this is some of the, the thing that happens here is that you know and this is some issues that college teams have, and I've watched a spread offense evolve in college, considering I had played with Chip Kelly when it first became a thing, is that when you have week to week, the offense is going to be good or confusing to defenses because you just don't have as much time anymore to kind of practice and figure out all the nuances. But when it's time to really like dial in the playoffs, late in the game, really some of these good defenses that know how to game plan, know exactly what to pick up as far as tendencies. and, and what I mean, they still run to the right a ton. They still pull their guard, their left guard all the time. Um, and you pick up on these tendencies, 
and you just play better. And they haven't played good defense. I mean, they haven't played good defenses. I don't know yeah. what same same thing they had last year. So um, I know I'm old school in that manner, um, and it's just I, I just I don't know. I'm kind of still. I'm going to change my opinion on, on Lamar Jackson, the Ravens. By the way, I'm with you, Jeff. I, I'm not, you know, everyone's talking about how he's a dual threat. He threw for 143 yards last week, and his receivers kind of dropped the ball on him on Sunday, I thought. Uh, yeah. you, can, you can follow Jeff Schwartz at Jeff Schwartz with a G, and you can listen to him on Pac 12 Today on Sirius XM. And as you mentioned, you went to Oregon. I walked away Saturday afternoon confused by the Oregon Washington game from an NFL draft perspective. I just can't quite figure out what to do with Justin Herbert and Jacob Eason. I like the way the ball comes out a lot, but Herbert in, in particular is confusing to a lot of people. I know you watch, you've seen a lot more of him. Can you explain like where we should stand on him NFL draft wise? Um, that's a great question. Uh, I almost was done with him after this game. I, I was getting close to that point. Yep. Um, look, he's a guy that when you watch him throw at the combine, he's going to be the best guy. There's no he's 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 six 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 five maybe maybe a little less than six six. He's going to be two forty. He's going to have a rocket arm. He's going to make every single throw that's imaginable. But the thing that he hasn't done, and the thing that I think is the first time he actually did against Washington, was he won a big game and he did it kind of himself. Like he took the team on his back and won the game. We haven't seen that yet. So there's a lot of questions here about whether or not um, um, you know it's. Uh, it's Herbert or it's the offense or it's a little bit of both. Now, for example, Oregon has almost no skill position players outside their tight end who's now hurt for the year that are pro prospects. It's one of the first times in Oregon history, I'd say, where Oregon's been good without any skill position players the NFL scouts are drooling over. Maybe they're freshman number four. but So we don't know if it's the wide receivers aren't very good or the scheme isn't very good or Herbert's not very good. There's so many questions about why Herbert – hasn't been the guy, um, but then he has moments where he makes amazing throws. He's better, in my opinion, when he's not thinking. So when he's mm. on the run or when there's pressure in his face, when those two things happen, he does great things. But when you have to kind of sit in the pocket and you have time to figure out, I don't think he pulls the trigger quite as well. He's a very big boomer bust. If he goes to a coach that knows how to, how to, how to motivate him and in a really good scheme, he's going to be good. I think one thing he does really well, and this is going to tell me, he doesn't turn the ball over. He's very good at that, which I'd say that that's almost too cautious in college. It's okay to throw interceptions if they're quote unquote good interceptions. Um, and so I, I think, God, I would love to say he's going to be a home run, but I, I can't, I can't tell you that. I, I don't know. There's so many questions that need to be answered as far as, again, a lot of stuff with the scheme and is it him? Is it the coaching? Is it the skill position players? I'll find out more after the season when I talk to some of our coaches. Um, but he's a great kid. He's going to work hard. He's got all the tools. Um, and he finally has a signature win. They won't play a good defense again until Utah in the Pac-12 championship game and possibly, you know, in the Rose Bowl they'll play somebody. So um, we have time to figure it out. But he'll rack up stats between now and then. I mean, he'll, 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 he'll throw the ball well. What did you think of Jacob Eason? I think he's. I think he should stay in school. I think he's two hit or miss as well. Okay. Um, if you look at Easton, if you look at Easton, um, entering this game, I think he was the fifth worst in the country completion percentage against pressure. Like twenty five percent of his passes were completed against pressure, and then Oregon, for whatever reason, just didn't blitz him for like you know thirty two minutes of the game. And um, 
as soon as they started bringing pressure, he wasn't very good anymore. And that worries me. Like, Herbert's good against pressure. He's good against pressure. He's good on play action pass. Yeah, he's good when he doesn't have to think. Um, and, and that's a good sign. Eason is not. Eason's the opposite. Eason's good when there's no, when there's the pocket's perfect. When there's pressure in his face, he, he doesn't do very well. And that, that really worries me because that only gets worse in the NFL. If he gets drafted by a team that has to play, you know, play him right away, typically that offensive line is not very good. I'd advise him to come back one more year and work on that. He still has eligibility. Um, I just, I'm not high on him really at all. What do you think NFL teams view both those guys? They're both about 6'6". Where do we stand right now on, I feel like back in the day, like maybe eight years ago, if you're 6'4 or above, like NFL was going to take you in the top 10. Do you think that things have changed, like where a Tua might go higher than a Herbert and Eason, where maybe, maybe a generation ago, the tall quarterback always had a huge advantage? Uh, well, John Elway, for sure. He's going to draft Eason or Herbert. He'll probably draft both of them. It's done, yeah. He'll probably, if uh, one of them falls the second quota. round, it's done. He'll get both, for sure. He still has a quota of tall, tall, tall quarterbacks. Um, look, I definitely think that what we're seeing now is um, a product of where, what we're getting from college, right? So it used to be that in college, you know, all quarterbacks were big, big kids, right? They are pocket passers. Well, now... A lot of them are athletes, and of course they're very accurate. Colin Murray's supremely accurate uh, as an athlete, um, but you know, so you, you can only draft what you're getting from college. And now we're getting players that are smaller at that position. The shotgun helps a little bit with that, and I, I do know that Colin Murray, if not for Kingsbury, he doesn't go number one. Maybe he falls to four at Oakland. But I actually think if Oakland doesn't draft him at four. Murray goes all the way down the draft board. I don't really. I, I looked at this before the draft. I wrote about. It. I didn't. Mm. I didn't think anyone else outside of Oakland. I mean, who's going to draft him once you got past like Oakland? I think he would have slid all the way down the board. I mean, someone might have traded up for him, but I think that specific fit there worked really, really well. Um, you know, but Tua, for example, I, I'm just not sold on Tua either. I think there's there's no guy in this class, at least yet, that I feel great on Tua. In my opinion, first of all, the injuries are now a concern. Right, he keeps getting hurt every year. Yep. Um, and secondly. Everything is perfect to Alabama, right? He's got pros everywhere. He's got the best offensive line, the best wide receivers, the best running backs. These dudes are always open. And I know two is pretty accurate. I just I worry about it almost being too easy in college and then getting to the NFL and realizing, oops, it's not like quite as easy as I thought it would be. Um, so it worries me about Tua, but I think Tua probably still goes number one. I think Joe Burrow's shooting himself yep. up the draft boards right now. Isn't it funny that a guy like Joe Burrow and some of these guys are transfers that we're talking about? Even Jacob, he said, I, I know you weren't as high on him, but the fact that Jake Fromm beat up both, uh, <laughs> both beat up Fields and Eason, why is it that guys, uh, you know, aren't, how could Joe Burrow not be a star at Ohio State? How does that happen that a guy can be a top five NFL prospect and not earn the starting job at his own college? Um, I, I think it just depends on coaching staff mm-hmm. and scheme fit and what the coaching staff really wants out of you. And some guys, look, some guys just play better in games. So you watch them in practice, and, and maybe they're not – and this is, I'm not saying Joe Burrow's bad in practice, but you know, so, some guys that just aren't very good in practice. Like I, I would consider – I was much better on Sundays than I was Monday through Friday. Yeah. I, just, I was better on Sundays. I, I just – I zoned in better. I liked the games. I played better. Um, and some guys are like that. Maybe Joe Burrow's like that. Maybe he – maybe in practice at Ohio State – wasn't very good, and then obviously JT Barrett won the job, um, and then and then Haskins won the job, and he's like, look, I'm, I'm out of here, um, and he went to LSU, and 
they need him to play. They didn't have everyone else. They finally put him in the game, and he's played outstanding. He's grown, obviously, between year one and year two. So, um, And we're also finding out that some of these transfers, um, you know, they're not – they're not winning jobs and they're not playing as well at the, you know, away from the place that, you know, that they transfers to. So I think transferring is always going to be something that's an option, uh, but it's not always grass is greener looking at uh, going to a different school. Yeah, absolutely. I remember uh, <laughs> Oregon. I thought Vernon Adams was going to rewrite the record book at, at Oregon. I still don't understand. Remember that guy from uh, Eastern Washington? Finger, that's what happened. Oh, is that he why was, he was injured? Yeah, he was playing really well, and then they played Michigan State or at in in uh, East Lansing. He broke his finger, and that was the end of him. Yeah, I was actually at that game, and he missed a touchdown at the end of the game. But uh, did you ever have yeah. a quarterback who you saw in practice that it was like, oh, this guy's not good? Then he came out on Sundays, like you know, they say that about some people say that about Jimmy G. Was there ever a quarterback who was much better on Sundays than during the week? Well, I think I think the college ranks. I mean, Dennis Dixon when our, my last year there is our last year together. I mean, he kind of came out of nowhere, and he was okay in practice, I think, but we didn't really know what we had on offense with Chip. was just first year as the OC. We didn't really know what we had on offense. You know, training camp, obviously, it's not like the games, and we had a brand-new thing going, and we weren't quite sure, and then he came out and was, you know, Heisman-level player before he got injured. I would say that he's he comes up as someone that came out of, kind of came out of nowhere. As soon as the game started playing, he just played – with so much confidence and swagger, and we knew we were going with the ball all the time. And um, he played really in the NFL. Um, not really, because like I put with some bad quarter. I mean, Jimmy Clausen was not very good in practice. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm telling you, like I mean, I mean Matt Moore. I mean, I thought Matt Moore. It's weird. My brother's playing with him now, like nine years after I played with him. I mean, Matt was the same guy game in practice. Um, Eli Manning was the same guy. Alex Smith was the same guy. I mean, they're all the you know, the same type of players. I think, I think the difference is on game day, you know, a guy like Alex Smith in practice, probably not going to run as much in the games. He's just more mobile. He's running downfield and making plays. I didn't realize he's that as quick and fast as he was until I saw him move a little bit. So I think that to me is, uh, is really the difference in the NFL side. Okay. Uh, last question. If the chiefs have to go, let's say two games with Matt Moore, can they, there's tough games too. Obviously the Packers can, can they win with yeah. Matt Moore? Well, I mean, you mentioned that they played the Packers and the Vikings in the yeah. two weeks. Um, well, I think that the Packers are just going to shred the Chiefs' defense. I mean, that's part of this as well. Is that, right. You know, you really can you count the Chiefs' defense. Unlike the Saints, who have played amazing with their defense, and Teddy Bridgewater is better than Matt Moore. Um, I'll say this. I think Andy Reid will have the offense ready to play. I think Matt is, can be serviceable in what they ask him to do. Whether or not it's enough to beat those two teams specifically I would lean probably no, because I think that the Vikings will run the ball right down the Chiefs' throat the entire game. I think the Packers will sling it around and, and prove you know, too tough for the Chiefs' defense. And Matt Moore is probably not winning a shootout against either of those teams. Um, so I think Matt can do a good enough job, but those two opponents specifically, I think, present issues that um, are going to make it very tough for the Chiefs to win with a backup quarterback. Absolutely. Although this is Andy, I'm from Philly, Jeff, and uh, I've seen him work magic with the Jeff Garcia, AJ Feely, Kevin Cobb types before. So I'm giving them a slight chance, if that makes any sense. Oh, I, I, I look. I, I'm not gonna, I think the offense will be adequate. Mm-hmm. I don't think they're going to struggle, but I yeah. think the defense, unlike the Philly teams, I'd say the defense right. is not very good. Absolutely. Hey, I really appreciate your time, Jeff. Um, and I tell everyone to follow you. Uh, 
on Twitter, you're uh, a lot smarter than some of the former players I follow. Not to insult, and I love love the kid pictures too. By the way, I have kids at almost the same age, and they're awesome. So I appreciate your time, buddy. Okay. Thank you. Take care. That was interesting. Uh, of course, he is one of the few great Jewish football players out there. Uh, maybe a handful of them. Jay Feather is one of them. Uh, his brother Mitchell Schwartz on the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, Jeff had some really interesting points, but really got me depressed about my Justin Herbert, Jacob Eason takes. You see those guys in the top 10 of every mock draft. You see the height, you see the arm. But I think, you know, especially offensive linemen, see there's so much more to the position. There's so many choices you make. There's how you handle pressure. Uh, And I agree because there's something about the Oregon offense. And Jeff kind of got into it. Like he's he's not running a consistent NFL offense. There's a lot of bubble screens. Then he then once in a while he'll break from the pocket and throw a rope forty yards downfield and hit a guy. Then he'll have an easy pass and throw it ten yards over his head. So that should be very interesting. Uh, and Jeff hit on something. I lo- I love this Kansas City upcoming games against the Packers and the Vikings. He's so right. Oh my God, the Aaron Rodgers is going to kill them. And Minnesota's offense with uh, Kevin Stefanski at offensive coordinator looks amazing. I can't wait to see what they do to it. But if Andy Reid pulls off these victories. I don't care about Sean Payton. I don't care about Frank Reich. I'm making Andy Reid the coach of the year. Uh, right now, he's definitely not there. But the way to be coach of the year is have a backup win games. Look at Sean Payton. All of a sudden, Sean Payton's been winning games forever. Now everyone's like, whoa, he's a genius because he's winning with Teddy Bridgewater. Yeah. So watch out, Mario. You heard it here first. I'm, I'm going to be on the lookout. I just thought Thielen's going to be yeah. out for a little bit. Did you see the play he got hurt on? He caught a mm. touchdown from Cousins. Great play. Cousins oh, was yeah, rolling out back. against... Why the the wall was right there? I was like, "Whoa!" It's amazing that he didn't yeah, yeah. get destroyed on that play, and he pulled his hamstring. That was bad. That's yeah. bad for the Vikings. Uh, he's a great, great player. Diggs is great too. Uh, but as a Dalvin Cook fantasy owner, I'm okay with that. <laughs> I'm okay. Although they have this kid out of nowhere, Alexander Madison, the backup running back. Yeah, he's been good too. Such a vulture. Yeah, I mean, it feels like they just. I mean, remember they had a uh, Laquan Treadwell who's supposed to be a big deal. Maybe he'll get involved in the offense. Yeah, did they? He came back, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. Laquan Treadwell. Ole Miss. Uh, All right, that'll do it for this week. Remember to rate and review. And if you haven't, subscribe. Subscribe. Sorry, I got angry there. Subscribe. Yeah. (laughs) Thanks a lot. Talk to you later this week.